We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hi, this is Scott Trout, CEO of the domestic litigation firm Cordell & Cordell. There are many life changes that can happen after divorce that make it difficult or impossible to uphold requirements of your divorce decree. The orders issued in a divorce are based on the facts presented at that time, but the circumstances used in issuing those orders can obviously change. If you feel a modification to your court orders might be necessary, talk to us at Cordell & Cordell. Contact CordellCordell.com, 1065 East Hillsdale Boulevard, Suite 310, Foster City, California, 94404. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show brought to you by the FFPC. I'm Blair Andrews on Twitter at Am I the Real Blair, and my co-host, as always, is Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010. Hassan, what's up? Hey, we're back. We're back. It's week one, and as always, it's absolutely insane. I have no idea what to make of it, but I'm just excited football's back. What's going on with you, Blair? Oh, yeah. I'm totally excited for the season finally getting going after that thursday night game we got some real football today uh, and i'm especially excited about our guest joining us on the show is dave cabin you may know dave as the senior fantasy analyst here at rotoviz or as the host of the rotoviz flagship pod along with matt friedman uh dave is one of the engines who makes rotoviz work you can find him on twitter at dave cabin ff dave thanks for joining us how's it going Oh, it's going good, guys. Um, really glad to get back on the report. Actually, when I was on last year, Hassan could not make it. Um, so I'm glad to get to talk to both of you as very honestly, I think that you are both easily in my group of favorite FF analysts. We had a tremendous week one so far. It just feels really good to be back into having real football to break down. So I'm just fired up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's just jump right into the news. Um we had a lot of action in week one, but unfortunately, we also had a major injury right off the bat. Nick Foles uh, suffered a major injury, 
Sounds like he might be out for six to eight weeks and um, hopefully gets placed on IR with the designation to return. In Foles' absence, how much interest do you have, Dave, in Gardner Minshew as a sort of stopgap option for Superflex leagues? You know, I have to say it was kind of surprising, but from what I did see of him filling in today, I'm fairly interested, especially in leagues where I didn't feel that great. You know, maybe I just grabbed two guys that I would have considered in that 26 to 32 range, which is a position I often find myself in. Uh, the connection with DJ Chark, who really could be a player that we see emerge, uh, that looked pretty positive to me today. So I think there's a lot of a lot of good things going on there. And I would be definitely spending a fair amount on him if I really needed that stopgap. I don't think that you can expect as good of a performance as we saw out of him today to carry through the rest of the season. But I think that you could certainly do worse. Uh, in terms of this impacting Westbrook, I think that's really hard for us to read at this point in time. Um, I do think, though, that he's still going to be usable. I mean, it, 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 granted, uh, today, just the five targets still managed to get the touchdown, which boosts things up for him. I think he had around like 14 points, um, but it could be a lot worse. So I think that overall, this might not be as bad of a situation as it, as it first looked like. And I think that overall, uh, if you're a Jacksonville fan or somebody who's highly invested into some of these players you have to leave the day feeling like you may have dodged as big of a bullet as it might have been yeah i, I just had a curiosity i mean um i mean like it, it looked like uh minchu was doing a pretty good job distributing the ball i wonder how much of that is just because we know kc have a pretty poor coverage unit and i wonder how much of that is um and you know i wonder if that kind of snaps back as other teams learn to adjust on the you know for for who minchu is but and um out of curiosity, DJ Chark, Chris Conley, are you buying either of these performances? I got to be honest. I think that I kind of am, especially in the case of Chark, because there was a lot of reports coming out of Jacksonville of DJ being a very good receiver, having a really strong camp. And now, obviously, we tend to try not to read into these items too much. However, it does look like we have some confirmation today of what we saw, uh, especially the connection with Foles when Foles was in. There was that beautiful kind of rainbow pass to him in the touchdown. He positioned himself well in the end zone, made the catch. I do think that he's looking pretty good. And I view this group of Jaguars receivers as one where there's maybe not any players that are superstar level but i think there's a lot of players that can definitely play the position and i think we're on the precipice of seeing that bear out i i don't know are you guys kind of in the same place do you think i'm overselling them a lot of people are expecting a westbrook breakout this season maybe without foals it can't happen but i think like i said earlier it could be a lot worse yeah i agree with that i mean um i've been kind of optimistic for a westbrook rest Brook breakout uh, myself um, and uh, you know before DJ Chark's uh, concussion earlier this uh, offseason I had a lot of interest in him as someone you could pick up sort of in the last round so it's encouraging to see uh, both of them kind of play well I mean uh, Westbrook didn't have a ton of yards but he did score that touchdown so um, yeah I think I don't know. I think you have to be happy if you own these Jacksonville guys and uh, you kind of see what they did, even without Foles. I mean, uh, I don't know if they would become startable. Like, if I'd feel comfortable starting them next week uh, when they're not facing Kansas City, but um, but I'm definitely optimistic and definitely would not be uh, dropping them or anything. I would, 
even maybe you know depending on how deep your league is i think i'd put in some put in some bids on a couple of these guys for sure and the nice thing too is they're not the type of player that you had to draft even in the middle of rounds of drafts maybe with westbrook but uh you know some of the other options in the receiving game you got pretty late so I think that if I was in a spot where I was looking to kind of churn some of my lower level players, I'd definitely consider them. Christian McCaffrey rushed uh, 19 times for 128 yards and two touchdowns, and he added uh, 10 catches for 81 uh, yards in the Panthers' week one loss to the Rams. Uh, Dave, McCaffrey accounted for a significant chunk of the Panthers' offense uh, this afternoon. Do you think like McCaffrey will continue to hog the bulk of the Panthers' receiving work? going forward uh or do you see either dj moore or curtis samuel uh, you know earning enough targets to get to the you know hit their ceiling outcomes that we were kind of hoping for them this season i think that as the season moves forward i think what did what did samuel have today like four just four or five targets i four think it was targets, actually yeah. four four targets i mean i think we could see situations where that rises i don't think you're going to see him getting up to that 10 range you might still be at six or seven and some of that is just because mccaffrey is so good that it just makes sense for the team to continue to give him as much work as they possibly can we just see him deliver week in and week out um Obviously, it's the first week of the season. Things could change, but I think that it might prevent Samuel from getting to that ceiling outcome more, I think, is so good uh, that he's still going to get the overwhelm major- uh, overwhelming majority of targets that go to receivers. So I'm still feeling good about him. Samuel, I wouldn't say that I'm downgrading that too much because I think heading into the season, you had to a kind of anticipate or consider each player through the lens of their median outcome. Uh, but to get back to the question, I mean, I, I think that McCaffrey just continues to hog the overwhelming majority of work there, the overwhelming opportunity, and he'll still stay at a high target total. There's just no reason that he won't. Yeah, I agree with that. I mean, one thing we saw toward the end of last season when Samuel was fully healthy is that he and Moore would kind of trade off games in which they had a lot of targets. Like, uh, I know he had like 13 targets one game, and then. Uh, I can't remember exactly the number, but very few the next game when it was kind of Moore's turn to have a big game. So um, we might, I'm guessing, see more of that as we go forward. You know, Moore had a big game today, kind of 10 targets, uh, but that doesn't mean I think that Samuel won't see 10 targets next week and Moore might take a backseat, which is kind of frustrating. But um, yeah, (laughs) the way I think it's going to be... Greg Olson had nine targets. Do you think that we're going to see him continue to get that kind of volume? Okay, I actually, that that went past me. I did not realize he had nine targets. Yeah. Um, that is a lot. I can't imagine that we see that every single game. Um, and some of that might just be because I have been kind of feeling less optimistic about Olson than perhaps that I should. Uh, but I don't know if I would bank on that every week i think i'd still be kind of going with my anticipation of olsen being more a five or six type of target a game guy uh but we'll have to see more because i really don't have much evidence to base that opinion on yet yeah i think like the thing that i uh, thought that was really encouraging was the fact that um, the panthers just sort of stuck with uh, dj moore as a primary guy um they really sort of fed him even though he fumbled earlier like they just you know kept going to him i think i think uh more um did a did, did a pretty okay job it's just uh kind of hard to tell i mean 
out of curiosity, do you think this is just sort of rushiness from Cam coming back from surgery and like just a slow start to the season type of stuff? Or, you know, because today's game was uh, the end The end score was kind of high scoring, but it just wasn't uh, particularly fun to watch. Um, I don't know if you watched any of it. I only saw little bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, I was following it early on just because I had some of these guys and well, I had a lot of these guys in a lot of lineups between Moore and McCaffrey and Samuel. And uh, I know it was uh, a slow start. Um, but yeah, hopefully, uh, well, we'll see more more early fireworks out of this offense. Um, one thing that's interesting, Cam Newton only rushed three times and had negative two yards. Um, is this kind of the new... The new uh, Cam Newton we're seeing, or is this more of an aberration, you think? I don't think we're ever going to see a version of Cam where he's running all around and everywhere on the field ever again. I think that we're beyond that. Uh, Again, though, it's just week one. So I think that a team like the Panthers, there's some pieces, you know, moving around, some things that they still need to figure out. I do think that Cam over the course of the season, we'll be running a bit more. Uh, but again, nothing like we saw before. But as far as things go for this team, I don't think that what we saw today will be representative of what they will function like the whole season. Uh, also, I, I mean, I think that the Rams are a pretty good team. So this was a kind of a hard matchup to start off the season with. Um, but I think the one thing that's kind of curious to consider is, is it really in the best interest of the team if Cam is running a lot or does it make more sense for him to try to stay in the pocket uh, and use kind of McCaffrey as the way to get some different looks out of the backfield, be it using him in different ways as a rusher or a receiver? Um, and I, I don't know if we have enough information to know the answer to that yet, but I, I to get back to the original question, think that we will see Cam as the season starts to unfold get used a little bit more as a rusher all right before we get into no shit shit no here's a reminder that you can become a rotoviz patreon today and gain exclusive access to rotoviz radio slack where you can ask questions and gain league winning advice from many of the podcast and writing team like uh, hassan and dave and myself patronships start at just six dollars a month become a patron today to join an exclusive community of listeners and sign up at patreon.com slash rotoviz radio and we also want to remind you that you can get a listener's only 10% discount to a Rotoviz NFL pass through the NFL podcast homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Your subscription gives you unlimited access to all our premium NFL content and it supports the pod. Plus, for a limited time only, we are offering a two year RV Radio NFL sub, which includes a 10% discount and complimentary access to Rotoviz Radio Patreon and the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel for the 2019 season. That's right, you get 10% off a two-year subscription and enjoy unlimited access to the Rotoviz Radio Slack channel all of 2019. So all you have to do is head to rotoviz.com slash podcast and sign up via the two-year RV Radio subscription. We'll email you Slack access details within 48 hours. Once again, that's rotoviz.com slash podcast. Now let's get into no shit, shit, no. First item, Baker Mayfield completed 25 of 38 passes for 285 yards with one touchdown and three interceptions in the Browns' week one loss to the Titans. I guess I'm going to say that's a um, no shit. Or no, excuse me, no, that would be a shit no. I always struggle with that uh, for whatever reason. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think that the that is not the type of thing that we're going to see out of Mayfield. I don't believe that I'm as high on him or expecting quite as much as other people are. I know for many people, they thought that it was very realistic. He could finish his top three fantasy quarterback. I don't think I'm quite there, but 
with what we saw him do as a rookie, a game with just one touchdown, three interceptions does not feel like the type of game that we're normally going to see. I think that Cleveland came out very flat. There's definitely some things that they need to work on. Uh, and this is the kind of thing that I've been, I've been trying to reinforce and everything that I've thought internally this week and that I've already said on here. But again, it's just week one. There's so many times where we start to develop narratives or we think that, um, everything that we thought preseason goes out the window in week one. And then we slowly realize as the season plays out that that's not the case. So I wouldn't read too much into this for Mayfield or for Cleveland in general. And I'm not expecting this uh, going forward. Austin Eckler rushed 12 times for 58 yards and a touchdown in the Chargers' 30-24 week one overtime win over the Colts. He also added 96 yards and two touchdowns on six catches. No shit. I mean, we know that Eckler is a good back. We've already seen a number of instances when he gets to play in that role as the team's lead back can be extremely successful. We also know that with the way this league functions, if you have an offense that functions well and can support a running back, as long as you have a player that's at average level or above average, they're going to be fine succeeding. And I think that, uh, you know, this is just another indictment of Melvin Gordon in the holdout. This is not helping. It's the same thing we saw with James Conner and Le'Veon Bell last season if Eckler has an opportunity he's gonna cash in on it so I mean I I really think he's an RB1 for sure every single week that Gordon's out Deshaun Jackson caught eight of ten targets for 154 yards and two touchdowns in the Eagles 32-27 week one win over Washington yeah that one was pretty fun I'm gonna say though this is a shit no I just don't think that Deshaun Jackson can weather the full attrition of the season um Perhaps I'm wrong, but I feel like it'd be easy to have an overreaction to this. Uh, and, you know, I, I've often used Deshaun Jackson as my example of a player who people like to assign the title of boomer bust. And I always disagree saying that the that's not really the case. Yes, his production comes in a way that is boomer bust, I guess. Uh, but I feel like we often misappropriately use those terms. Uh, but if you are one of those people that's always labeled him as a boom or bust player, then this is just one of those boom weeks. And this isn't the type of thing that's going to carry. Uh, of course though, last year he did get off to a blazing hot start too. And before he got injured, um, was on a pretty impressive pace. So, so maybe I'm wrong there, but again, this is not the type of thing I'm going to bank on happening week in and week out. Travis Kelsey caught three of eight targets for 88 yards, uh, in the chiefs week one win over the Jaguars. I think that I have to say is a shit no, because for him, it's a pretty modest performance for most tight ends, 88 yards. You'll gladly take. Um, I don't know though that, you know, for a player like Kelsey, I'm expecting much more on a weekly basis. We will have some weeks where there's touchdowns where he'll be used more as a receiver. This was a pretty easy game for them. Uh, Sammy Watkins just absolutely bald. Um, you know, thanks for Kelsey and the rest of the team will will average out over time. So I think that the correct answer there is shit no. AJ Brown corralled three balls for a game high hundred yards on four targets Sunday in the Titans week one win over Cleveland. This one is crazy. We were actually talking about this before the show. AJ Brown was my highest ranked receiver going into the season. I really loved him as a prospect. I got scared by this Titans offense, which I was not expecting much out of. And perhaps they don't keep up this pace, but uh, as Hassan mentioned, you know, there was times he was able to use his feet to make plays, had a little bit more time to get the ball off. And if that continues, A.J. Brown is a really good wide receiver. And 
he is definitely uh, the type of guy that can make an immediate impact, and it looks like he already has. So hopefully this momentum continues and this turns into a no shit because he is a very talented player. Todd Gurley rushed uh, 14 times for 97 yards with one reception in the Rams' week one win over the Panthers. Hmm. (laughs) I don't really know which way to go on this one because I was not the type of person that was going out and trying to aggressively draft Todd Gurley. So I think this kind of falls in line with expectations. That's a really solid performance, but it's not a Todd Gurley level performance. Uh, So I guess that would make this answer a no, uh, no shit for me. From what I understand though, and I did not see too much of this game. It sounds like he got off to a pretty slow start and then was able to turn things on in the second half. Is, is that your assessment? Yeah, he also uh, Malcolm Brown also punched in two touchdowns. He got he got some pretty high, he saw some looks that were fairly high leverage, I think. So yeah, okay, so that's actually what I found to be kind of interesting as well. Um, that's right. So so then it's possible actually that we could be looking have been looking at a pretty substantial day for Gurley. Yeah, so it's it's interesting to see how this is going to work. I I mean I I don't know. Do you think this is just like gamesmanship from the from the from the Rams? Like because they've been saying that they're going to manage Gurley's reps all off season, or do you think this really is load management? This is just what we should expect. I mean, ninety seven yards and a catch is nothing to really sneeze at. But like, this isn't the same guy we saw last year who was doing to fantasy teams what you know CMC did today. Right. I think that. For me, the way I would think about this is the only evidence we do have matches with the expectation heading into the season. And we do know that there was definitely something nagging him down the stretch last year. And in the most important games, they could not rely on him the way that you would imagine they would want to if it was a possibility. So though, uh, you know, those two touchdowns kind of got veltered on his part. uh, Yes, he could have had those, but it does seem like we have some signal that you can't expect him to get this workhorse type of workload or to be anywhere near that level of player that McCaffrey is going to be this season. Yeah. Malcolm Brown had actually uh, looks like 11 carries and then Henderson, I guess had one. So uh, Gurley had like just over 50% of the running back carries. Mm. So yeah, not quite the sort of workhorse right. and, and load I think you would the... expect. The lack of receiving production, too, is something that we really have to focus on because we know that those uh, RB1 type of guys need to have a baseline level of receiving production that far exceeds that. So that is troubling. Lamar Jackson completed 17 of 20 passes for 324 yards and five touchdowns in the Ravens' week one win over Miami. I'm still going to go with shit. No, listen, I was so hard on Lamar Jackson heading into the season. I may have been the most pessimistic person on him in the industry. And to stick with my idea of not overreacting to week one, yes, we have to change our perceptions as evidence appears. I'm not going to entirely change my opinion based upon one week against a very poor Miami Dolphins team. I think that I do need to concede that Jackson is probably a better passer than I was giving him credit for, but to expect five touchdowns every week, you know, that's not going to play out. And I think that 
over the course, my expectation really was over the course of the season, teams will be able to game plan better for him. I understand that today he really operated much more like a prototypical pocket passer and was very successful in that role. But this does not feel like a game that you should be extrapolating to the whole season. Um, Congrats if you did take Lamar Jackson. I think you probably should be starting him until things go otherwise. But I'm not going to change my stance just upon that one performance. Am I wrong in that front? Yeah. There's the, <laughs> okay. there's the, there's the Ravens fan. Give us, That's right. Give us a Ravens take. Oh, no. Well, I actually had a follow-up I was going to ask you, but now I think I know how you'll answer. I was going to ask whether uh, for the rest of the season you'd rather have A.J. Brown or Marquise Brown. Oh boy, I I still think for the rest of the oh god, that's a tough one. Um, I I guess I'd have to actually concede here and say I would probably rather have Marquise Brown for the rest of the season. Um, that's a real hard one to contextualize into a way that makes sense but i think it comes down to that we're seeing there's probably more upside for brown that's available and for receivers at that level i think that's what i'm looking at Mm. um because i just don't think that there's been enough explosive plays in that titans offense outside of derrick henry uh that you know i i don't really like this answer where i'm going it so let me phrase it like this i think that brown is likely to be, remain a larger part of the offense and has more opportunity for explosive plays. Thus, that's why I'd rather have him. Um, I believe I read a stat today that was uh, from Mike Clay. I'm just pulling it up right now. He mentioned that uh, – trying to find it here, so I'm sorry. This is really bad radio, but um... – it's all right. It's week one. We're just trying to get. Yeah, a I know. I know. It's uh, <laughs> so per he said per next gen stats, Hollywood Brown only played twelve snaps today, and Miles Boykin wow. played only sixteen snaps today. Wow. And uh, Jackson didn't target any of their running backs. Like I think, I think my bigger takeaway is just Miami is going to be a team that fantasy players should be starting. Uh, everybody against like wide receiver one, two, three, four, the water boy, just everyone should be in your lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Reasonable. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell whether what's the biggest takeaway from this game that Baltimore might actually be really good or that Miami is like way worse than we even thought. I, I don't know, but I also do know that like I was told Lamar Jackson can't throw the ball. And yeah. I, 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 I think he threw the ball today a few times. A few times. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, really, what's kind of interesting to me is um, would be kind of fascinating to see if if Lamar's passing game does actually progress as we uh, go further on, like you were saying earlier, Dave. Yeah, I, I mean, that was my biggest concern was just that yes, he improved every year at college, and I, I understand that. Um, but once you start to get m- more coverages involved in you know an NFL context and the defense starts to get a little more in tune with what you're going to do are we going to still see that improvement is he going to be able to um, stay accurate have a strong completion percentage all of these things Um, maybe he can but I just have not seen enough historical examples of these great performances for players like Jackson carrying through. Uh, and I know one thing Friedman has pushed back on is some of the comps that you see for him don't get at how good of a passer he could have been because you're seeing a lot of guys that were really more rushing style quarterbacks. And he thinks that Jackson has the potential to be a really good pocket passer. So we'll have to see that bear out. So maybe those, those 
matches that you get when you do a similarity search or something like that aren't as valid as they should be. But I'm still going to default more to history here and then, then thinking that Jackson's a true outlier. Matt Ryan completed 33 of 46 passes for 304 yards and two TDs and two ints in the Falcons' 28-12 week one loss against the Vikings. Um, Yeah, no shit. I mean, I think this was a... a, a Matty Ice typical type of performance. Falcons did not look very well uh, overall, which I was hoping that we'd see some improvement from them this year. Um, Vikings pretty much gave it to them, though. Uh, The good news was Calvin Ridley was still able to manage to put up a decent game. Julio salvaged the day with that one touchdown at the end, but I think they'll be okay. Uh, I saw people really reaching on Ryan in drafts this year. Uh, which I don't think was a great choice. Um, And I'm expecting that this will be kind of an average game for him. There'll be some better weeks, but I'm not surprised that this was his first game of the season or that he's getting off on this note. Jameson Crowder hauled in 14 of 17 targets for 99 yards in the Jets' 17-16 collapse to the Bills in week one. I'm going to go here with um, shit. uh, No shit here. Listen, I have been hoping for Jamison Crowder to put together a good season for a very long time now. <laughs> Obviously, a huge target total like he saw will help, but I think it's really encouraging. Uh, Sam Darnold is decent. Um, I have my concerns about that offense overall, but this is a really good note to start off on. And if you look at their team, I think it makes sense for them to get a player like Crowder involved. Uh, 17 targets, 14 wrecks, 90 nine yards that is a great way to start the season perhaps they realize what they have there with crowder and uh i hope it continues yeah i mean i guess the concern is that it's like what five and a half yards per target for a wide receiver (laughs) yeah hopefully Um, they can get some more efficient targets uh, (laughs) in the future yeah I, i i agree with that but um i think that you just have to feel good that they're, I mean, 17 targets, clearly he's going to be used heavily in this offense. And I think that it's definitely conceivable that that number goes up. He's probably not going to be the most efficient type of player, uh, but perhaps he doesn't need to be. Josh Allen completed 24 of 37 passes for 254 yards, one touchdown and two picks through the air. He also added uh, 10 carries for 38 yards and a score on the ground in Buffalo's 17-16 week one comeback victory over the Jets. No shit. Listen, we know that Allen is not going to be the greatest passer. The interceptions are going to be there. He's never going to put up elite numbers um, purely throwing the ball, but he's going to add that rushing uh, rushing production. I mean, last year he was such a good option to close out the season. So much of that had to do with his rushing ability, and it looks like it's carrying over into this year again. So uh, this, I think, is the type of performance that will carry, and I have come around. I'm a full Josh Allen supporter now uh, as somebody that was so down on him coming into the league, but I like to see him be able to get some level of success. Uh, So let's go Josh Allen. Dak Prescott completed 25 of 32 passes for 405 yards, four touchdowns, and no interceptions in the Cowboys 35-17 week one win over the Giants. No shit. And I'm so pumped about this because Dak Prescott who is going in many FFPC drafts as quarterback 17. I have him as my most owned player across all formats 
And a lot of this goes back to every single year in his career, even when it was entirely unexpected, he has been a QB1 player. He has been a top 12 quarterback. We have now seen him be very successful passing it. Amari Cooper, I think he had two touchdowns today, right? Uh, has been he had one okay one he right. threw a oh, bunch actually, of yeah. to everybody like yeah. right Britain, i thought man. that one of them i thought one that went to cobb was cooper at first with the 18 and 19 on the jerseys but hey listen <laughs> he even made randall cobb today <laughs> yeah look like he came back to life like he really did so um yeah he's gonna continue to be a really solid option and I think we're looking at a guy that's certainly going to finish as a QB one again and is going to single-handedly win you some weeks. He made Jason Witten actually come back to life with one touchdown. Oh yeah, that's right, Blair. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was pretty happy for Witten. Um, yeah, so I I think this offense looks pretty darn good. Chris Carson rushed 15 times with 46 yards and a touchdown, and he caught six of seven targets for 35 yards and a touchdown in Seahawks in the Seahawks' Week One win over the Bengals. I guess that's also a shit no. Um, it turns out that Carson does not have the draft capital of a player like Rashad Penny, but at this point it doesn't matter. The Seahawks have relied on him in the past. He's done pretty well. He's on a team where there's a lot of opportunity for a running back. He has the talent level to produce on that. It is surprising, though, to see him get... Um, I think, is it true that he was the most targeted player on the Seahawks, which that probably shouldn't be happening? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, he had uh, more rushing attempts than like the Seahawks had pass attempts. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. You'd love um, to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unrelated though, but there was one play that Russell Wilson made today where it looked like he was going to get sacked and then he heaved up like a nice pass to uh, DK Metcalf. Um, I just hope that things like that continue because I think that uh, as far as a team producing fantasy points, I'd love to see the Seahawks really put things together in offense. Yeah, speaking of which, we don't have a question on Metcalf, but he had uh, 89 yards on six targets, four catches. Um, you think he's legit? I actually do, and some of that came back to with Russell Wilson being able to extend plays. It puts a receiver like Metcalf that's this really imposing physical specimen in in a chance where he can make a play. So um, it looks like they're recognizing that there's ways that they can use Metcalf there. And I normally don't read into things like that, but he seemed really pumped up, really excited, really fired up. Um, and, you know, one of the things that was a drawback on him in college was we only had so much information to work with because he missed a lot of time. And we did see, though, in that season, uh, in his final season, that he was able to kind of go stride for stride with Brown when healthy. And I think Brown is tremendous. So I thought this was a really good sign. And I'm starting to buy Metcalf a little bit more. Um, and in the context of Seattle's offense, I think that uh, he can certainly produce. Should we be worried about uh, Tyler Lockett? Only two targets today? No, I think that that will bounce back a little bit. Um, the problem is, though, if you're expecting last season to repeat, that's going to be tough because there is going to be that drop in efficiency. And if Metcalf does see some usage, um, it's going to make it harder for him to match what he did last year. But um, I wouldn't be you know, concerned that he's only going to get two targets every game. I think that will probably come back up more to like five or six targets. Uh, of course, though, that's probably the ceiling just because this team is not going to pass that much. Talking out of both sides of my mouth there to some degree, but I think the point holds. <laughs> All good. <laughs> yeah. If you found $100 in the street, would you pick it up or keep walking? Of course you take the money. So why do you keep 
picking winners and not betting on them. That's what I go to my bookie. It's fast, it's easy, and they pay when you win. Let's face it, where you're betting is just as important as who you're betting on. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the best. Do the smart thing. If you're going to bet on football this season, bet it with my bookie. Join my uh, join now and my bookie would double your first deposit. Use promo code Rotoviz to activate the offer. That's promo code Rotoviz. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, moving on to news item number three. Kyler Murray completed 29 of 54 passes for 308 yards uh, with two touchdowns and an interception in the Cardinals week one tie with the Lions. So, Dave, it was kind of a tale of two halves for Murray. He did almost all his damage in the second half. Um, What were your initial impressions of his debut and what are your expectations for this offense going forward? Yeah, so um, as listeners of the flagship show will know, Friedman talked us into going with Murray at uh, our pick in the 11th round. I was feeling a little concerned in that first half and, and and ready to berate Friedman for having us do that. But I mean, it's really should be expected. You have a new head coach, rookie quarterback, a team that is trying to make a lot of changes from last season. It's not unrealistic to expect that it's going to take them a half, maybe even a game to really reach um, a semblance of just being able to function as an offense. And they really turned things on in the second half. Um, I was impressed with Murray. I think that it's an encouraging sign. I think the second half is more of what we should expect than the first. Um, There's going to be some growing pains, but it looks like they were able to show perseverance in how they came out in the second half. I don't think the Lions are a great team by any stretch of the imagination, so that probably helps them out. But I don't think you can discredit what they did. It would have been very easy for them to just kind of really fall flat, not show up in the second half. And I have to imagine they made some adjustments. Murray himself looks good. He stayed composed. So I was I was very impressed with this this performance. Yeah, I think uh, pretty much leading up to this whole week, you've been sort of trying to evaluate, uh, you know, trying to pick your starters. You probably didn't think this matchup with the Lions was all that good. So um, I think for Murray to come out and, you know, he did it with an overtime period, but still 300 yards and two touchdowns. I think you've got to be pretty happy with that um, and happy with the with the fact that, uh, you know, they trusted him to throw the ball 54 times, although maybe that's not not a surprise given what uh, we were thinking about um cliff kingsbury's offense but um but that's a good thing though right because in the first half i was worried you know maybe we're not going to see this aggressive pace like we were expecting or maybe they're not gonna be able to manage it but finishing with 54 like you said you know it's inflated a little bit by overtime that is pretty good um what i actually kind of thought was pretty clever of cliff kingsbury was keeping their offense under wraps for the entire first half uh, it wasn't <laughs> until the second half till they actually came out, and, and really it wasn't until the fourth quarter where they really uh, decided to to to, to run it. Um, I remember Peter Overzet, a friend of the show, tweeted uh, "despair raid," and uh, that was um, it was me for a while for the first half. Uh, I, I you know I wanted to ask you guys. So uh, Keyshawn Johnson is uh, seems to be the wide receiver three there. He got ten targets, but um, Pat Corain is has been pretty pretty big on Demir Bird. I know he's taken in him in a handful of uh, higher stakes uh, drafts. Guys, Demir Bird had four catches for forty two yards. Uh, thanks to Pat, I actually added uh, Bird in a handful of dynasty leagues. Uh, any interest in your in your uh, deeper dynasty leagues or nah? I think I, I think yeah, I could definitely have some interest. Um, I mean. Nah. I, <laughs> 
<laughs> Blair says no. No, I mean, uh, yeah, Bird is interesting. He's someone with some speed. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see some some connections with Kyler. I think uh, I'm still waiting for a for a you know a full on Christian Kirk breakout. So it's coming, man. It's coming. Twelve <laughs> targets. He's. I mean, I mean, Larry Fitz looked really good. But if yeah. you're, uh, I mean. Pro tip, if you're going to be playing Larry Fitz, now is the time. Do it in the early half of the season before, uh, you know, but you just where you really want to be playing uh, aging veterans, uh, especially in DFS. I had him as a, as a contrarian play in a couple of places. And unfortunately, I, I, I played him on a couple of lineups that were just <laughs> DOA. So it d- didn't matter. Yeah. Well, so to, to contextualize this, though, Blair, I would say that uh, with how bad that team that I inherited in the kitchen Cinco league that we are in is I'm pretty much interested in anybody that, that will even be on the field. <laughs> yeah. I'm in the same boat with my kitchen Cinco team. And uh, I, I think, I think bird is a guy that I am going to be putting in a, a waiver bit on. If you're in uh, my, my division, please don't do that because that would make <laughs> me sad. I'm pretty sure that I am like, I have like the highest scoring team in kitchen Cinco right now. Really? Yeah, 205. Wow. Nice. Let's see. I'm not going to look. I'd be surprised (laughs) if I've even broken 75 points. I had Prescott, Chris Carson, Deshaun Jackson, Evan Ingram, Mark Andrews. So, yeah, like my team is not good. Like I got, I hit on all all these guys who went off in week one and probably won't do anything the rest of the year. (laughs) You hit the absolute nuts. (laughs) Yeah, he did. (laughs) So, anyway, I'll go one and. 6 15 or whatever 14 anyway i just wanted to say it's kind of uh it's kind of karmic that the guy you're playing is called spider two by banana and he's got a picture of john gruden as his like (laughs) avatar yeah (laughs) because it leads us perfectly to the next question which is the patriot signed the wide receiver antonio brown to a one-year contract after he was released by the raiders uh dave uh, i know you're a patriots fan so what are your thoughts on the brown signing you know, how does this impact the target shares for all Patriots players this season? And, uh, you know, what do you think this does for Tom Brady's outlook this year? I think that for the Patriots, this is really an amazing move. Um, when you look at what they're going to have to pay him versus other similar receivers, you know, this is a, a fantastic move. Uh, and then from an on-the-field perspective, you know, maybe Antonio Brown isn't the uh, receiver that he was three, four years ago, but I don't think that matters. In the context of this offense, I think now you're looking at the a very a team that has a very good claim for possibly being the best offense in the league or at least things playing out that way. So I don't think you're going to see a 50-touchdown season from Brady, but at this point, 35, 36, 37, somewhere around there, certainly in the range of outcomes. I think that what we've seen before is no receiver on the team really gets above like a 24% target share. I don't think we're going to see Brown come in and command 30%, but I think that he'll probably be somewhere around 25. This probably pushes Edelman down to a 21-22% target share. Gordon's probably a little bit lower, but on high leverage type of targets. I could certainly be wrong on that mix between Edelman and Brown, but I think that even if I'm incorrect in the distribution, this overall is a positive for every player. The quality of those targets is going to increase. Um, I wasn't sold on Edelman being 
a wide receiver 15 type of player where some people were drafting him. I think though, you know, he still can finish as a wide receiver too, maybe somewhere around that 24 range. Brown probably finishes as a cusp uh, wide receiver one. Josh Gordon probably could still finish as a wide receiver too. So I I just think it's going to be really hard for teams to slow down what was already going to be a strong offense. I'm really excited to see how they use him. Uh, A loser in this situation actually might be James White, who I felt like was going to have to be utilized in some capacity, um, more so this season than last season. Um, That might be harder for him to get utilized now as – I have to imagine there's going to be such a high percentage of plays where one of those wide receivers breaks open. But yeah, I mean, I think this team is going to be absolutely fantastic on offense. And if you are a player that drafted Antonio Brown, you now have a substantial, substantial upgrade. So you have to be really ecstatic. A uh, bit of a roller coaster there for you, but you've come out uh, on the other end in a much better position. Yeah, I don't know if you deserve to be rewarded for for taking brown but uh <laughs> um yeah i know you don't you shouldn't have taken it there were so many signs there that you shouldn't have so you really really dodged a bullet yeah i mean part of it is just maybe he forces his way off the squad but like there's no way to really confirm that so i don't you know i'm not gonna that's not what i'm looking to you know discuss or report here but <laughs> i i was curious what you think this might do for uh you know i mean for like Nikhil Harry, because he's like, you know, supposed to come back after what week nine. But like at this point, it looks like he's pretty much going to redshirt his rookies, rookie season. Right. Unless unless uh, either Edelman or, or Gordon are going to miss time. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. And a lot of the reports that were coming out of New England during training camp didn't point to Harry being a main focus point of the game plan heading into the season or somebody that a lot of the beat writers felt like was going to be able to jump in and ascend to that role that many people would hope where he's, you know, the team's main target or even kind of the one B to Edelman at the time. Um, However, though, right. We don't know if Gordon is going to be able to go those 16 games, who knows what happens there. But um, outside of Gordon, being suspended or something like that for the back half of the season. I, I don't expect Harry to get in and make a huge impact, which is too bad because I was able to get him on a number of teams in the back half of the draft. And there was always the potential he comes in and, you know, can really light things up, but I don't think that's there for him anymore. Do you think that um, missing this season, or even if he does play a little bit, not having an impact, um, how does that affect his sort of long-term outlook? I don't think it has too much of an impact on him because the Patriots are the type of organization where as long as he can get the playbook, they are. And and I mean, I think that we can all agree he is a talented player and has the physical tools needed. It's going to be fine. They'll find a way to use him. Um, So I'm not concerned about that. I don't think it's a type of organization where he's going to get lost in the shuffle. And again, I, I, I just think that he's a talented enough player that he's going to be completely fine. Uh, also, you know, it's not clear what the team's receiving core will look like next season. Antonio Brown's on that one-year deal. Josh Gordon, it's always a wild card. What's going to go there? Edelman will be another season older. Uh, so I'm still feeling pretty good about him as a prospect, and I would have no problem uh, buying low on him in Dynasty Leagues. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Special thanks to our guest, Dave Cabin. Be sure to follow him on Twitter, at DaveCabinFF. 
Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to our Patreon. For Hassan Rahim, I'm Blair Andrews. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Football Report. Please rate and review the Road of His Radio podcast channel on iTunes or your favorite podcast app. Contact us via email, rotovizradio at gmail.com, and follow us on Twitter at rotovizradio. And remember, you can always support the pod by subscribing to Rotoviz at a 30% discount through the Rotoviz Radio homepage, rotoviz.com slash podcast. Technology Truths, brought to you by GEICO. Technology Truths. Truth. Teenagers can communicate entirely in emojis. How was the birthday party? Pizza slice, kitten, soccer ball, pineapple? Truth. It's so easy to switch and save on car insurance at GEICO.com. What are you talking about? Paperclip, shoulder shrug, high five, wizard hat? What? GEICO. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. There's ghosts haunting these woods, and they're headed straight for Roaring Camp Railroads. Is it a trick? No, it's Thomas and Percy's Halloween party. And with a bounce house, pumpkin patch, temporary tattoos and face painting, plus photos with Sir Top and Pat, it's certainly going to be a treat. So get down to Roaring Camp before all the fun disappears. Weekends October 12th through the 27th. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.